Hello and welcome to this week's podcast version of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 16th of October. I'm Ian Haydock. On the agenda this week are progress and setbacks with COVID vaccines, a major liver disease deal, immunology plans and growth projections for the oncology sector. While Pfizer is close to announcing a preliminary readout from its mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccine trial, which might be enough for a US emergency use authorization, experts say holding on for more data would be better in the long run. The company and its partner BioNTech are the clear frontrunners in the race, and Pfizer's CEO Albert Baller has maintained that the pivotal Phase 2b3 COVE study could yield a preliminary yet decisive result in late October for the vaccine, BNT162b2. Andrew McConaughey writes that as of 12th October, around 31,000 of some 37,800 participants in the trial had received their second dose, more than the original 30,000 target laid out by the US government's Operation Warp Speed and moving towards the more ambitious 45,000 target the company has set itself. The COVE study is event-driven, and the first interim analysis can be made once just 32 cases of COVID-19 infection are confirmed in the trial. Further interim analyses are planned at 62, 92 and 120 cases. If the trial is not halted because of success or futility, it will otherwise conclude once 164 cases are recorded. But the big question is whether or not the trial should actually be stopped at this point, because there are fears that having only slim evidence of efficacy to back an EUA would risk undermining public confidence in all COVID-19 vaccines. These are particularly strong in the US, where President Trump's repeated interventions have politicised and sowed seeds of doubt about the vaccine's review process. Pfizer's Baller has just recently said that the filing of an EUA request will not happen until Pfizer has efficacy safety and manufacturing data in hand. While the COVE study could yield interim efficacy data before the end of October, the executive said, safety data meeting FDA requirements likely won't be available until the third week of November. Meanwhile, observers are looking for more details from Johnson & Johnson on an unexpected illness in the high-profile phase 3 trial for its COVID-19 vaccine candidate. Jessica Merrill writes that J&J is pausing enrolment in the Phase 3 Ensemble trial. Cases being reviewed by the trial's Independent Data Safety Monitoring Board and J&J remains blinded to the information, so there is simply not much more information the company could immediately provide. The firm's Global Head of R&D, Mathai Mamen, confirmed in a third quarter results call on 13th October, the day after the pause news, that the company still does not know if the unexpected illness occurred in the placebo or the vaccine arm of the study. We are now awaiting further medical information and evaluation, which we will then forward to the DSMB for their independent recommendation, he said. Investors and the public are closely watching the trial because it's likely several vaccines may be needed to provide adequate supply to end the global pandemic. J&J's candidate has one potential benefit in that it's being tested as a single shot rather than a two-dose regimen. AstraZeneca's trial with this candidate has also been paused in the US over an adverse event, although work has restarted in most other countries. US RNA interference specialist Arrowhead Pharmaceuticals 
has now reached big pharma licensing deals for all three of its most advanced pipeline assets, this time striking an agreement with Takeda for AROAAT, its phase 2 RNAi therapy for alpha-1 antitrypsin-associated liver disease. The Japanese firm will pay $300 million upfront plus development, regulatory and commercial milestones of up to $740 million, nudging the total deal value just north of a billion dollars as it looks to build out its ex-shire and in-house liver disease interests. In my article, I note that the two firms will co-develop and co-commercialize the therapy in the US under a 50-50 profit-sharing structure. Elsewhere, Takeda will exclusively lead the global commercialization efforts and pay Arrowhead tiered royalties of 20-25% to on net sales. The new alliance is a boost for Arrowhead, which in February was hit by a setback for another of its RNAi candidates, AROANG3 which failed to match the LDL cholesterol-lowering power of Novartis' Inclisiron in a Phase 1-2A trial, although it remains in development. The Nasdaq-listed company's management was upbeat about the Takeda deal in an investor briefing on the tie-up, with President and CEO Christopher Anzalone saying this would ensure the broadest patient access while potentially speeding up late-stage development and providing resources to progress its pipeline. For Takeda, the deal builds on its existing presence in the liver disease sector gained through the acquisition of Shire, which already has US approvals for several therapies in the alpha-1 proteinase area. Takeda said liver disease is a rising area of strategic importance to the company. Bristol-Myers Squibb is building a case for its S1P receptor modulator Zaposia, which is Ozanimod, as an effective, safer oral option for the treatment of moderate to severe ulcerative colitis, or UC, based on new results from the Phase 3 True North trial. The drug could become a cornerstone in the company's growing immunology portfolio. BMS presented detailed data from True North on 10th October during the United European Gastroenterology virtual meeting. Manji Daxon writes that Zeposia expanded the company's immunology portfolio when it was approved in the US in March for relapsing multiple sclerosis, although its launch for this indication was delayed by the pandemic. It's been developed for both UC and Crohn's disease, with the Phase 3 program in the latter indication currently enrolling patients. BMS is also running exploratory Phase 2 studies for a TYK2 inhibitor BMS 986165 in UC and Crohn's disease, although the first indication for that oral drug is likely to be psoriasis. Both drugs are being pitched by BMS as safer oral alternatives to JAK inhibitors for inflammatory diseases. Executives indicated during a 12th October investor call that supposed launches in UC could occur between 2021 and 2023 and in 2024 or later for BMS 986-165. Finally, Viba Ravi writes that with all eyes on treatments and prophylactics for COVID-19, critical diseases like cancer have suffered from a lack of patient care and a slowdown or even a halt in clinical trials. But the incidence of cancer is set to still increase, though life expectancy outcomes continue to improve due to factors including early detection and better therapeutics. 
Recent McKinsey and Co. report says that for those who are receiving treatment, five-year survival rates for pancreatic cancer, glioblastoma and non-small cell lung cancer remain below 50%. There is also considerable variation in outcomes by geography. The report predicts that oncology will continue to be a long-term focus for pharma companies already highly invested in the area and that the sector will account for about $250 billion in sales by 2024, growing at a 12% compound annual rate. In 2019, oncology therapeutics accounted for $143 billion in branded pharmaceutical sales, or around 20% of the global pharma total, and nearly a third of the global clinical pipeline across all therapeutic areas is in oncology. That's all for this week. Don't forget to sign up, sign in and set up to receive these stories in full and much, much more digital content. Also, a reminder that registration is now open for the annual Scrip Awards, which this year are taking place on the 2nd of December in online form. Bye for now.